Hello and welcome to the Swan Song Project podcast. My name is Ben Buddy Slack and I'm the founder of the Swan Song Project and the host of this podcast. The Swan Song Project is a charity and we help people facing the end of their lives or dealing with a bereavement to write and record their own original songs. We believe in celebrating lives, making memories and leaving legacies. If you'd like to find out more about the charity, you can check out our website, which is swansongproject.co.uk. The podcast features songwriters. And every episode, I speak to a different songwriter, talk about one of their songs, uh, they share with us a songwriting tip, and they also share with us a song that's meaningful to them in some way relating to bereavement. This episode features Richard Knott, and I hope you enjoy it. Okay, so today I'm here with Richard Knott. Thanks for joining me, Richard problem nice to see you then yeah looking forward to talking to you um for anyone new to these podcasts uh with the swan song project podcast we do it in three sections uh first we're going to have one of my guest songs we're going to talk a little bit about how they wrote that uh section two i'm going to ask richard to share a songwriting tip and then section three we're going to talk about songs meaningful to richard in some way related to bereavement uh so i'll hand it over to you rich and ask you to introduce your song for us please thanks ben right well this is a song of mine called the shortest day and the first thing i should say is that it, it, it's not me singing it, it's a friend of mine called Hilary Morell, who's a great singer. Um, I did write it and I play the instruments on it and I do the backing vocal. Uh, it, it's not really a typical song of the style of music I do. I'm normally a sort of blues ragtime guitar player, but I do love uh, Latin Brazilian music. Mm. And this is a song in that style with some of the elements that I get from Brazilian music, not just the music, but the thinking behind it, the sort of feeling behind it. So we talk a bit more about that after you've played the song. Brilliant. So this is uh, The Shortest Day. Day by day, 
Okay, brilliant. So that was The Shortest Day by Richard Knott, uh, sung by, what's the name again, sorry? Hilary Morrell. Hilary Morrell, yeah. She's, she's, um, she's someone who, she plays in local folk clubs and so on, and, and a lot of people say she's got a voice a bit like Sandy Denny, mm. which is yeah. pretty, a pretty good compliment, isn't it? <laughs> but on that yeah. song, she just seemed to get that sort of floaty Brazilian feel really mm. nicely, and uh, she, she, I just think she nails it. I do do that song sometimes solo, but it, I just don't feel I do it justice after her version of it, you know? Yeah, it's funny, isn't it, when you've done a song in one, in one arrangement, then doing it in a different way, how yeah. how just how different the song can feel. Absolutely. Um, but yeah, it's a lovely piece. It's definitely one that's resonating with me, listening to it in this particular time where I'm very much looking forward to some of myself. <laughs> well, I think, you know, that's kind of where it came from. On the surface, it's, you know, it's about being stuck in winter and wanting it to be, summer but there's this there's this thing in brazilian music and in portuguese music as well you know you heard fado the portuguese uh, style of it's almost it's called portuguese blues sometimes it's a okay. very emotional music full of nostalgia and there's this concept in in brazilian music called i'm not sure i can pronounce this word properly but i think it's called it's pronounced saudade s-a-u-d-a-d-e and it's really re really hard to explain what it means. I looked it up on Wikipedia and I'll tell you what Wikipedia says about it. It says Sadaje is a deep emotional state of nostalgic or profound melancholic longing for an absent something or someone that one cares for and or loves. Moreover, it often carries a repressed knowledge that the object of longing 
might never be had again. Wow. That's pretty deep, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but there's this thing about, about um, us, it's bittersweet. It's, it's remembering something that's intensely pleasurable, um, but tinged with sadness. It's, it's got both of the elements, the light and the dark in at the same time. And that's something that you find a lot, I think, in Brazilian music. It, it's got both elements. And in that, res in that respect, it's pretty much like life. You know, life's got good bits and it's got bad bits. And if you're lucky, they'll even out and maybe the good bits will outweigh the bad bits. Um, but don't, you know, don't get, um, don't be complacent if your life's pretty good, because at some point there'll be a bad thing. And likewise, if it's bad, don't, uh, don't worry too much because it'll probably get better. Mm. So that sort of flows through the tune. I can't say I was thinking that when I wrote it particularly, but. I think that's one of the things about songwriting that you don't always know quite what you're writing about until afterwards, maybe even a year or two afterwards, you suddenly think, oh, there's more to that song than I thought at the time, as if your subconscious is doing some of the work and you're not even aware of it, you know? So um, I, I'm pretty sure, it, uh, yeah, I mean, it was written in winter and the shortest day, of course, is like the fulcrum of winter, isn't it? It's, it's the point at which there's the least light and the most darkness. and you know, you just think, please give me some sunshine, give me, give me some springtime or some summertime. But then, you know, the, the, sh the longest day, the opposite end of the year, it's great. But then from that point, it's downhill all the way towards autumn and winter again. So even when you get what you want, it's going to be short lived. Mm. It's just the nature of things. So I suppose you know, underlying it is the, is, the, is the thought that, you know, make the most of life, make, make the most of today. Don't, don't always be looking ahead for something that might, in fact, never happen. Um, but at the same time, I, after I wrote it, and I, certainly after that performance by, by Hillary, I, I just started feeling a bit different about it somehow, that it, it wasn't just about that, if you know what I mean. It wasn't as simple as make the most of today. It was something more it, I, it, I hate talking about this sometimes because it, it sounds like you've, you've got some grand vision and it's very pretentious and you know there's some lesson in it and that's not it at all um but you look back on it and you think that song is a bit deeper than i thought it was mm. somehow and really it's it's it, it, it all it's all about the bridge i mean it, it, you know the, the first two or three verses of the chorus are about what it's like to be stuck in winter and to be looking forward and wanting it to to become summertime and there's this thing in the in the chorus about when you wish for summer you're wishing springtime gone mm. so you know don't enjoy the journey don't just look at the destination sort of thing but then in in the bridge it's it seems to me that it becomes more about life in general uh, as opposed to just i wish it was nice weather you know um there's this thing about um, can the swirling rapids be as distant as they seem? Because I'm using this image of a river as being time, time a river to the sea, with you and me stuck stuck in this backwater when we'd rather race downstream. Um, the, what are the rapids? You know, what, do the, what did I mean when I said that can the swirling rapids be as distant as they seem? Swirling rapids are not something you want to move towards, are they? They're, they're something that could, you know, submerge you and see you off. Um, and I suppose what it, what it comes down to for me is, well, I don't know. I'm looking forward to summer now, but something terrible could happen between now and summer. 
and I should just really be enjoying what I'm doing now and making the most of life. And uh, and that's what I'm trying to do. Actually, a sunny day like today, and the sun's coming through the window now and blinding me. It's easier to think that. But when you are stuck in the worst part of winter and it's dark and you're stuck in the house and uh, you can't see people, it's it's very easy just to have this blink, this sort of tunnel vision that you want. You just want this. Mm. But who knows what might be between now and there. And, you know, to want, I want it to be summer, but that's another six months of my life gone. You know, yeah. I don't necessarily have that many left. I don't know. Nobody knows how many they've got left, do they? Um, I remember when I was about 12, wanting to be 18, you know, and then when I was 20, wanting to be 30. And it's yeah, really bad. You know, you really shouldn't do that. You should, you should yeah. enjoy every moment you've gotten, as they say, act as if it's maybe your last. So that yeah. so really there's to me there was a there was a darker side that came in but only really revealed itself to me after I'd written it. And that's the thing about that style of music. The music itself is quite light and floaty and summery, beachy almost. But the lyrics to me at least have got something a bit more to it than that. Mm. Oh, did that sound really pretentious? I hope it didn't. Yeah, no, no, it's great. <laughs> Which it's really nice to uh yeah, like I really like when songs are thought about on that level. And I love I love songs that reveal themselves in time. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like that's always well, that's the thing. Yeah, and and even reveal themselves to the writer. That is yeah. the strange thing. I mean, one of the things, another thing I like in music is is layers of meaning that you mm. can take whatever it gives you from. Because I don't I remember at school once we were doing some poetry lesson in English, and I I was kind of obsessed. What did he mean? What did the poet mean by this? And the teacher was was very good at asking, what does it matter what the poet meant? What matters is what it means to you. Yeah. Might be interesting to know what they meant, but actually, how does it affect you? Because you, the the person on the receiving end is as much part of the song's purpose or the poet's purpose as the person who wrote it. Yeah. Um, and I've had people say to me after you know after a gig, that's, oh, that's a really funny song and I'm thinking seriously you thought that was funny <laughs> it might have had a joke in it but it doesn't make it a funny song um so yeah you can never say what people are going to get out of music mm -hmm. uh, I, I guess but but I like the fact that there are different layers and different people yeah. take, take different things I used to always think with songs I like I like songs that yeah, like you say, we're in them layers. So like you can listen to it in many different ways and still get something out of it. Yeah, the yeah. first time you listen to it, you might just like the tune and you sing along with it a bit, or it might make you move or something like that. Then you might come back to it and be like, oh, wait a minute, what's going on here in the story? What, you know, I didn't, didn't realise this, oh, this reference here, what's this about? And, well, so know, many times, like, you know, you can you can love a song and not have the faintest clue what the lyrics are about. Yeah. yeah. It's, it, it's how it makes you feel. But I think that's the, that's the magic of, of music, really, because songs particularly music can make you feel things it can make, give you emotional emotional response but there's something about the connection of words and music and a human voice delivering the words that i think is just i mean i've always loved music anyway but i just think it's one of the most brilliant art forms there is and when you you talk about missing gigging i mean that's the thing when you're playing it to someone it's so in the moment it's not a recording it's yeah. not something you've laboured over and tweaked every last bit. It's real and it goes wrong and, you know, and they might be drunk or they might be miserable or they might be happy or, or whatever. Um, it's like the song's alive in that space. That's what I always think. That there's something, like when you're playing a song live in front of people, 
that's yeah like i say it's not the recording it's not any other version of it that's what's happening there and your performance you know you might be reacting to the atmosphere in the room you might see someone's eyes light up or something like i'll see someone singing along and that might change it in a little way it's um yeah definitely it's the like best times the best times are when actually you you can sort of tune out the rest of the people who are there and you're just in your own little world because when you i found when i started performing i came to it quite late i was just hyper aware of oh someone's on their phone or, or i can hear the coffee machine over there or or someone's talking or you know whatever it might be or this drink slightly out of tune i was completely you know taking in all this information and the actual performance was on it was relying on autopilot oh that's not really the best way of doing it the better way of doing it is accept that they're there learn how to deal with them learn how to deal with the noise and, and the odd sort of heckle if necessary but actually be there in the performance and make sure that you're doing it. And, and if there is a lot, what I tend to do, if there is distraction in the room, I'll just find someone who's watching and listening and I'll play for them and I'll, I'll, yeah. I'll make eye contact and, That's and one just thing try to make sure that it's like a conversation. Yeah. In them, you know? That's what I think is that kind of balance between like, I've done the same where like, if I tried to tune everything out or I've been too, too aware, and like, because you don't want to, like, like, if someone leaves when you perform and you don't want to be like, oh, why is they left? Has I, I left because I'm, I'm doing bubbly? <laughs> Get back here. Um, well, it's true, yeah, they might leave funny, might have to might have a bus to catch or something like that. Um, so you don't overthink those things. But then also, like, I do like to recognise when you see someone who's really into it, singing along, like, yeah, when you see someone singing along to one of your songs, it's like, that's just, that's really, and it's nice to make those eye contacts and... Uh, Absolutely, yeah. In that way, but yeah, it's that balance of them not getting out of your head. And a, lot of my, a lot of my music is the guitar side is, is quite rhythmic. It's mm. um, a lot of alternating bass guitar. And I watch for people's feet. If I can see someone's foot tapping, I relax because I think they're getting it. That's, yeah. Someone's getting it. It's worth doing this. I'm not just <laughs> playing to a brick wall. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, because I think I think the first thing that people get is is the rhythm. They don't necessarily get the words. They don't. The first part of the experience for the audience, I think, is is the rhythm, and I think it's the most important part of performance in many ways. Mm. You can play a, you can play wrong notes, and people they've gone. You know, people are looking ahead, but if their feet are tapping, then they're they're in the music, and I, I, I that's what I always watch for. But yeah, you're right. The person who walks out halfway through, it, <laughs> you just want to shout, "Get back in!" in. Yeah. It, um, but back to the song, something that came to me when, when we were talking about it, because literally, like, we were walking the dog earlier on, and it's, you know, really cold, and we were saying that, like, oh, I want some hot weather, I'm kind of tired, it's like, it's been snowing here a lot today, yeah. um, and then you're always talking about this, it's that thing where, like, you don't want to wish your time away, and it's it's also, so like, at the minute, I would really like some nice weather, I'd like to not have to wear all my layers when I go out, but then I don't want to not have a few months of all the, or, or everything else that goes on in my life, you know, like, if it's yeah. like, if it's, someone said, like, oh, you can go to summer now, It'd be like, well, I'd like the summer weather, but I don't want to miss out on these next few months of everything else that's going on. Um, and you know, it's, it's it's kind of trying to appreciate that, like you know, the snow is is nice. It is it is pretty to watch the snow fall, oh, and like yeah. I like watching the dog play in the snow. So they're kind of uh, benefits. But I think the trouble is the one thing that we do all want to be over is this sense of being trapped, isn't it? This this idea, yeah. and I mean, it's been almost a year now, and. I think, well, if, you, if you're like 10 or 20 years old, the year doesn't make that much difference. But, but when you get to my age, you think, that's, that's one of those years I'm not going to get it back, you know. So I, I do think, you know, the sooner this is over, the better. But I'm thinking, well, it's, it's already, you know, we're well into the, the new year. It's getting lighter in the evenings. 
uh, when the clocks change at the end of March, it's suddenly it's like till eight o'clock if you get a nice day. And I'm looking forward now, but I'm not thinking, oh, you know, I want to be there now. Put, let me hibernate until it happens. <laughs> I am enjoying, yeah. I'm going to enjoy the process. I've decided it's the only way to do it. You've got to force yourself. Yeah. Otherwise, you know, you, you might as well hibernate. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Vitamin yeah. D I recommend as well. That's very good. I, find, I would take vitamin D in the, in the winter and yeah, get the sunlight and, and I, I found this year particularly seems to have worked quite well yeah yeah and the time goes quicker when you engage with stuff doesn't it if you're just kind of trying to waste your time away oh, it just yeah. takes forever but if you're doing something it's, it passes a lot quicker well, you even miss little things like you know going out and buying a new television or something I don't know you, you the fact that you yeah you can get it delivered but it's just you want to go out and see people even if you're not talking to anyone you just want to be amongst other human beings much as I like being at home with my wife, that's great. But, you know, and I'm not a particularly sociable person. I'm, you know, quite introverted, really. But I, there's no doubt I've missed it. I've missed that feeling of humanity being together. Yeah, yeah. And uh, it's particularly weird when, you know, there is this threat to humanity. I don't mean in the sort of apocalyptic sense necessarily, but we're all under the threat of this thing. And... And when we're all under threat, it's good to be together, isn't it? Mm. Yeah, the blitz spirit, as they say. And that's the one thing we can't do. And it's it's a strange thing. And we used to take it for granted that you could shake hands with someone or hug them. Yeah. Or even be within two metres of them. Not have to wear a mask in a shop. <laughs> yeah, that's just... Yeah. But anyway. Um, back to you, Simon. Just... Something else I just want to touch on before I move on is... Um, so you mentioned about the similarities with the Brazilian and the Portuguese music. Was that something that you'd had thought about going into it so he said that the music was kind of inspired by that stuff and the theme also is but was the but then also you mentioned that the theme kind of revealed itself more as you went on when you started writing it did you have an idea that you were going to do something musically in that style and then yeah. the theme just developed as it came or how did it come about yeah well what people often when you probably get this when people know you write songs that the first question is well what comes first the music or the lyrics and the answer is well it can be either but more and more I've noticed it's the music that comes first on, on this song it definitely was and um, I think I was playing around with some uh, jazzy sort of Brazilian style chords and a Brazilian type a bossa nova sort of rhythm and th the nice thing in that style is you're, you're always tempted to go major to minor or minor to major you're tempted to, to change the, the mood and, and to put in these these uh, to, to use extended chords that suggest things that suggest melancholy or nostalgia or emotion and I think in fact it was probably the bridge that I got the music for first and I thought well and that the bridge goes to mine a minor key from from the major and um I just thought well it would be nice to write a song in this kind of Brazilian style and to bring in this light and shade thing and and I just set off I suppose um with this idea that that it's we're at the that we're at the darkest point of the year. We're looking towards the lightest point of the year. But as soon as we've reached that point, we'll be heading to the darkest point again. And and that sort of circularity of it, I guess, was it was appealing to me in the sense of minor to major, major to minor. Mm. You're going to be like this, you know. You reach the point that you wanted to reach, and then you're going to be depressed because you've gone past it, like a kid looking forward to Christmas, you know. And then on Boxing Day, it's all over. So the music started it. And the music often suggests not exactly a topic for a song and not necessarily lyrics, but it suggests a mood, I think. And I think that's what happened here, that the mood was one of 
um, light and dark having to exist together. There's no light without dark and there's no dark without light. Um, and, I, and I just took it from there and, and started writing about the concept of the, the shortest day of the year and what it feels like. And, very, and, and I, th I think probably, as with a lot of songs, I just set off and trusted that I'd get somewhere. You know, I, I certainly didn't have the song mapped out. As I say, I think I had the music for the bridge first, but, I, you know, when you're writing a song, you usually have a, a, a rough idea of the structure, whether it's going to have a chorus, whether it's going to be, you know, verse first or chorus first. And when you've had a couple of verses and then maybe a couple of choruses, you tend to have a bridge or, a, a, you know, some sort of change of direction. And then when it comes back to the main theme, you've got to wrap it up. You've got to um, sort of lay out the point of the song, really. So come to a satisfactory conclusion. So I, I, de I definitely just set off writing verses and then a chorus, still not quite knowing where it would go. I just thought this is this is going to be okay. You reach this point where you think, yeah, this will work. I just have to figure out where it's going. Yeah. Um, and it's this odd combination of the conscious and the subconscious, I think. And and sometimes, I mean, I, I might go to bed with the music going through my head or a verse going through my head, and I wake up and it's still there. Mm but maybe it's developed a little bit and something then reveals itself to me. It's really odd. I don't know if you find, I don't know if anybody else finds like this. Yeah. You're right. But to me, it's the most mysterious thing imaginable. It's, it's not, I never get like a flash of inspiration and 10 minutes later, there's a song that just doesn't happen to me. People mm. say it does to them, but I can't imagine writing a song for 10 minutes. I think I spent so long over the lyrics. I mean, it might take months on one line. I just, honestly, I'm just manic about it. Um, yeah. But there is, there's something that kicks you off, usually. And it, if <laughs> you just have to trust the process and start it. And maybe you'll think, oh, that's not right. I'm going to change. I'm going to go back to the beginning, start and go in a different direction. Or maybe after a couple of verses, you think, oh, I know where this is going. Or maybe you'll think, actually, that first verse should be the last verse because that's the point of the song. You know? So there's a lot of... I guess I'd say there's a lot of craft involved at that point. There might be some inspiration to start, but then it's about tweaking and adjusting and carving things. And uh, that's a not very good uh, metaphor, really. But, <laughs> you know, it's about constructing it as opposed to a flash of inspiration and it comes mm. through you as if it came from who knows where. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I wish, but that's not how it happens to, for me. So I might, I might get a song more or less nailed in maybe a week but then I'll spend a long time in my head thinking which of those two lines do I prefer and it might be just one word that's different between two lines but which is it which will sing more naturally um you know which will deliver the emotional side of what I'm trying to say uh, better and um and then you have to decide at some point I'm going to try it out I'm going to, I'm going to try it out on an audience because I mean, songs are about communication, aren't they? They're not. I, I said I've been playing some instrumental guitar, and that's quite, it's like a little puzzle. That's like doing a jigsaw puzzle almost. You know, I, I hit, I'm going to work out how to play this. I'm going to execute this piece of music. I can do it now. And that's been a very pleasant experience. And now I can play that tune. So that's great. I don't think you, I can't do that with songs because mm. what's the point of it unless someone hears it? It's a two way street. It's not just about the creative process, unless you want to sing to yourself. Mm. So, um, 
there comes a point, I think, in the writing process where you think, I don't know if it's quite finished yet, but I'm going to try it and see if I get any reaction. And that can be a dangerous thing because you might just find on the day you do it, no one's listening and you think it's a terrible song, but actually it's not. It's just <laughs> the right time for it. No <laughs> one audience. heard it, you know. Yeah. Um, and then maybe two years later, you think, oh, I'm going to change that line because I, I you know, I've realised I could have done it. I could have done it better. But the strange thing is, I don't know if you find this, but you might think, oh, this is a great song. I'm, this is, I'm real pleased with this. This is one of my top three songs. And it gets no reaction from anybody whatsoever. And then some piece of fluff that you knocked off in, you know, well, not 20 minutes in my case, but maybe, maybe a week. Um, lightweight song there people love it yeah who can say that yeah it's really hard to tell people what to take from it isn't it we found it the same with with my band we always said that it was interesting how like you'd write a song and like it'd always be really exciting writing the song and we'd think that this is going to be one that's going to be like yeah one of our popular ones and we'll do it every night or be this would be a a new closer or something like that and then like just naturally we'd let the songs kind of settle we wouldn't, we wouldn't, we never wrote set lists with my band, but always just like we choose our first couple of songs, then we just go from there. And so we'd find like which songs came to mind when we were like between songs, like, what, we'll do this, what, should we, what should we do next? We'll do that one. And then certain songs, certain songs would just always be like top of our mind, like that's a good one to do now. And other ones would just wouldn't, wouldn't make, wouldn't make the cut. And it was mm. always that interesting thing of like when you write them, it's always like, oh, this is going to be a really good one. But it just didn't, like certain songs just didn't naturally fit into sets the way other ones did. No. And, but you see, I think that's, that's another thing that if I, I could tell you what I think my, you know, two or three best songs are, mm-hmm. but someone else who knows my songs might have completely different favourites. And yeah. that's absolutely the way it should be, of course. There's not an objective and, which song's better than other. No, it's, it's, absolutely. It's and I mean, I've got, I've got several books on songwriting, none of which I've ever read, because I just can't, I don't think you can teach someone how to do it. I mean, it's interesting to know someone's insights into it there's a book by jimmy webb called tunesmith which is a very interesting book to read i have read that one mm. but it's not an ins- it's not a songwriting manual because i think that's a bit weird and i've run songwriting workshops but i don't i don't try and teach people how to do it who am i to teach anyone how to do it for goodness sake you know yeah um, i always think of it like there's there's kind of tools and things that you could show people but it's the putting them together is like a unique process and like, you know, they're separating the craft from the inspiration. So like you can give people some of the tools that you can use for the craft of like, this might be how you might structure different things. And these are like some chord sequences that might work together, but there's no hard set rules, is it? It's like, these are some ways you might do something. And then your ideas of the inspiration of what you're going to write about. Again, like you can kind of give prompts of like, these are some things you might write about, but there's no like, this is the way to do it. <laughs> well, no, but the trouble is, Last time I did one of these workshop things, I, the people that I was talking to were really, you could tell they, they were desperate to do something. They didn't have a clue where to start. Mm. So it's all a bit too airy-fairy if, you, if you're just talk in general terms. And I actually came up with, I called it a five-step approach to songwriting. It sounds ridiculous, really. But it was, it was more what I have learned through the process. I don't think of this as a a manual or a method of doing it and I don't apply it in my own way but if you've never done it you might find it interesting to know that there are things to think about like what's the structure of the song you know what's the what's yeah. the key is it going to is it going to are you good to have music that reflects the lyrics are you going to have music that's the opposite of the lyrics to give a contrast you know dark and, and light um uh you know one of the key things that I've been I try and get across to people is for goodness sake be prepared to edit because <laughs> 
most of my songs would go like seven or eight minutes if I didn't get disciplined <laughs> after I've written all these words and then start cutting it out to, you know, how how do I get the the core of it in the, the minimum number of words? And, and you know, I, I was brought up in, in a time when the best pop songs were like two minutes long. Yeah. And if you can get the message, Smokey Robinson could do it in two minutes, like I, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but it, it's, it's difficult for sure. And I think it's like, I think something what people don't always appreciate with songwriting is that it's, you know, like, it's something you need to practice at. So like, you know, your first song probably isn't going to be your best song that you learn from each song. So again, to go back to the workshops, that's something I always thought with the ones I've done is like, you can give people a roadmap to write a particular song and like, it's probably not going to be the best song, but it's going to get them to write a song and then they'll learn from that to go on to write another song. And then, you know what I mean? Like you can kind of say, let's today, we're going to write a song about this and this is the way we're going to do it because yeah. that's the way of getting one song done and then you can go on to writing using some tools and adapting them as you go. Yeah. yeah. And the first five you might, you might never use, but you've learned through that process. And in fact, yeah. you might steal little bits from them for future songs. Yeah. One of the things I was thinking recently, I, I, this pop, I've probably written a maybe, I don't know, eight, nine, 10 songs that I just don't perform. And I was thinking, why is that? And sometimes it's because I, 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 the first time I performed them, I, I made a mess of it. And I never wanted to risk that again. <laughs> um, other times it's that I never felt I quite got it right somehow. It was more or less there, but there was one verse too many, but I couldn't get rid of any of the verses. Um, other times I, I've just changed since I wrote them. You know, I once tried to write a song in a, I say most of what I do is kind of bluesy based, country blues type based. And I tried to write a song in that vein because I'm not really comfortable singing I can't sing a Robert Johnson song. It just doesn't work for me. I admire and respect people who do, but I can't do it. But I thought, well, I can write something in that style. And I did. Um, and, and I just, in the end, felt uncomfortable with the subject of, of it. I mean, I won't go into the detail because it's not a song I perform anyway, but, you know, songs of the 1930s, these, they were, a lot of them were quite misogynistic. A lot of them were about, I'm going to stab people or shoot people or whatever. I can't, I just can't authentically do that. Yeah. So I've got to write a song from my perspective. One of the best um, compliments I was ever paid, someone did a YouTube video of a song of mine, a song, the song's entitled, It's Called the Blues. And um, he put it on YouTube and he said, he called it a very English blues song. And I thought, well, that's great, because I'm entitled yeah. to do that. I may not feel entitled to write about, you know, the experience of African-Americans in the 30s in, uh, in, in Mississippi, but I am entitled to write a song in that, um, in that English style, but, you know, from the perspective of someone in my position. Yeah. Uh, but I think something you said before sort of struck a chord with me, no pun intended. Um, it, it's got to be authentic when you write a song to you, unless you're writing it for somebody else. I think you've got to have a relationship with that song that that um, it's it's a true voice that you're speaking in. Uh, the first time I recorded, I didn't realise. In fact, it was the song. It's called the blues. I didn't realise until the guy recording it said, "You, you do realise you put on an American accent there, don't you?" And I hadn't done, but I'd, I'd sung a word sounding like I was American. I'll never do that again because I'm not American and it's not real to me. So, uh, 
you've got to feel that you've you it's you coming across and that if you if you're not used to performing i think that's one of the difficulties because you think you know i've got to sell myself i've got to sell this performance i've got to sell what i'm saying and oh my god does anyone want to hear <laughs> well if it's not in your if it's not really you then um why should they listen that measure of faith you know but if it is you then if you've, you've got to be confident and what you were saying about um you, you've got to build up a body of work before you're confident in that you've got something to say i was very lucky because the first song i wrote um we still it still shocks me this i actually won a songwriting competition and i was absolutely stunned by this but that's what led me to write another one mm. you know because i thought well i can't validate myself i just don't know but someone validated me and so that led me to carry on that's and then you get to the point where you've you know you've written four songs five songs 10 songs 15 songs and you and then you start thinking well there are some are up here and some are not so good but they're still worth doing um and maybe this one i'll come back to later and actually some of the ones that that i i keep meaning to go back to i think there's a good song in there i just need to go and do a bit more crafting on it you know yeah yeah and, and then i got a free song effectively because i did all the work on most of the work <laughs> a long time ago yeah definitely yeah it's a fascinating process and i think that's that's thing that's one of the elements that's often overlooked when people think about songwriting is that the difficulty in finding what your voice is in a way and what you're trying to say in your songs because it's the thing people kind of have a lot of the stars i think like all the rock songs got to be about this or if you're going to write a folk song it's got to be about this and you've got to say these kind of things and it's you know it's not the case is that there is kind of themes that are traditional but like you can you know it's as you say there's that journey of finding what what your influences are and what your voice is and then being comfortable expressing it that is uh yeah well, uh, the heart of it is it's storytelling, isn't it? Whether it's a story about you or it's a story about someone else or it's a um, a story about a concept or, I mean, a protest song. It's a story. They're all stories, really. You are telling someone a story. It has a beginning, it has a middle, it has an end. Might not have a definitive meaning for the same meaning forever, but, but stories don't either, do they? So I think of them as, I think of songs as having a sort of um, a narrative arc, you know, the way people who are um, writing for movies have. You don't, you don't tell the story in the first 10 minutes, do you? You know, it starts, you build, you have a sort of a shape to the story and it has to have a satisfactory conclusion one way or another. Even if the conclusion is, oh my God, what was that all about? I'm gonna have to think about this for days, you know? So there's got to be some sort of shape there, I think. Uh, and really, I, I mean, this is leading into, you know, the second thing about the tips for songwriters. There's got to be a purpose to a song for me. And I don't, that doesn't mean it's got to have some grand message by any means. The purpose might be make people speak tap and make them sing along on the chorus. It, it doesn't have to be anything more than that. Mm. But I think um, there has to be some some reason for a song to exist. Yeah. yeah Otherwise, so that's what's the point? <laughs> Um, so yeah, let's transition into section two then, Sherry. So um, this is where I ask, ask for a songwriting tip. I know we've kind of covered quite a lot of tips in that section, I think, but what's the uh, specific tip you've chosen? I, I, I think it is about, you know, the song needs a reason to exist. Don't, don't be ashamed. Don't, don't think, oh, I'm not up to creating something that has a reason to exist. If you're telling a story, it, it might be a it might be a funny song, might have a, a joke, you know, a payoff, a joke, a sort of a, a revelation. 
it might be a, a ballad that that literally tells the story. I mean, the old style ballad as opposed to the soppy type ballad, you know. Um, it could be a love song that has a purpose to express how you feel about something. It could be a love song that has a purpose so people can relate to, um, you know, the pain of love going wrong. Uh, the song of mine that was an alternative choice to Shorty's Day, and my wife keeps saying I should have chosen that one, <laughs> um, is a song called Dance Near Troubles Away. And I wrote that for myself as mental therapy after I was ill. Um, I had something that I was fine, actually, but it, if it hadn't been discovered, it could have been the end of me. And, and that was quite a profound experience for me. And I wrote that this song as a, as a sort of therapy for myself to work out how it had made me feel about the rest of my life. So even if I play that, I mean, I've put some jokes in it so that people can relate to it when they sing it. But in the end, that song is for me. The purpose of that song is for me. But most songs, they may start off as being, you know, my need to express something or my, um, my decision to craft a, a piece of work that I will perform at a gig. But in the end, it has to have some meaning, either for me or for the audience. Otherwise, what's the point? And that's why I find the crafting interesting. The crafting is all about taking this, this amalgam of music and words and ideas and format and, and getting it into the best shape it could possibly be so that it both says what I want it to say and has the best chance of being relatable to someone who hears it. Uh, and, and there's a sort of another side even to that. That, that. that is effectively my tip. Make sure that there is a purpose to the finished song. Not when you start writing though, because when you start writing, you might just start, well, let me think, blah, blah, blah. The sun was in the sky and the birds were flying around. It doesn't really matter where you start. I was going to be my question. I was going to ask if you start with a purpose, if you, if you start with, I'm going to write a song about very this, rare, oh, very that, this rare. I, I sometimes wake up with a, a line in my head, a lyric line, and that might suggest a song. I'm not even going to say what a song would be about because it just might suggest a, a sort of a vague area for a song to cover. Um, but no, I think, I think the purpose will reveal itself when you know that you've finished it, if you know what I mean. Yeah. If it never does, then it will never be finished. The song will go into that pile of things that never quite made it. And then that's the purpose of that song, was just to, for you to learn that not all songs are <laughs> going to well, be... Yeah, yeah, maybe, maybe so. Yeah, yeah. Maybe so. But so, so I, I think what I'm saying is, you can either start with, oh, I've got a great idea here, and, and I know already why this song will need to exist, and I know where it's going to go. Or it could be, oh, I'm bereft of inspiration. I'm just going to look out and I'm going to write the first line that comes to my head and I'm going to take it from there and see where it goes. And that can still end up with a perfectly good song that needs to exist because, you know, you, you just needed that trigger. Mm -hmm. And I think when you're talking to people who want to write songs, they, the most common thing they say is, I don't know where to start. And, and actually, just sit down and start. <laughs> you don't need to know where to start, do you? If you, if you just start with a chord sequence or a melody that you can whistle or some words, any words. I mean, famously, Paul McCartney had dummy words for yesterday, didn't he? Scrambled eggs, scrambled eggs, da 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 da, da scrambled eggs. I've done that before, not with scrambled eggs, but I've done it where, you know, I just have place saver words. Um, 
but but start somewhere you know either start knowing what it's going to be or just start anyway and trust that you'll find where it's going to be but it's not finished until you know why it had to exist this yeah. is incredibly sort of mystical doesn't it <laughs> but it's more it's more what i've learned as opposed to how i've approached things it's just looking back on what i've done over the years i think that's at, at the heart of it and, and as i say the the reason to exist doesn't have to be big deep and meaningful reason it can be i just wanted to say how happy i am today yeah yeah and people like, would relate to it yeah. yeah and i really like that's what you said about the song um you writing it as a way of processing what you were going through after your your health scare um that sometimes that's a real good purpose of a song so I'm, I'm a big advocate for writing song you know like we were talking earlier about the um the need of performing songs which i do agree with as well a lot of the time is that like we always said that like a song's not really be alive until you shared it in a way yeah. but then also like like i encourage people to write songs even if they don't intend to share them with anyone if, if just you write that song and you've got something out of it uh, even if it's not shared, it's still like that process has been kind of beneficial. And the the idea of like it being a way of working through it, I mean, that's something that comes up a lot with Swan Song is people come in and they're in a difficult situation and the songwriting process helps them make sense of what's going on. And yeah, sure. it can then be a constant reminder as well. Like, I don't know if that's what that song is for you, that every time you play that song, I know that song, it reminds you of that lesson you learned then. And is that... Is that yeah, an way of no, absolutely, about? absolutely. But I think one thing, one thing I would say is, mm. even if you wrote it for yourself, even if you wrote it with no intention of performing it, share it with somebody, because someone will get something out of it. You know, it, people love music, people love songs. It's it's the soundtrack to life, isn't it? Really, and you know, even if you wrote it just for yourself. That doesn't mean someone else won't get something out of it because yeah. because the best songs have some sort of universality to them don't they that you know that they're, they're about what it is to be human and and that's what love songs are about you know everyone can relate oh i assume most people have been in love at some point in their life so everyone can relate to it and there's nothing more powerful than something that touches that emotional nerve uh and that, go back to where we started with the Saudage thing with Shortest Day, you know, that I think nostalgia and uh, sort of the bittersweet nature of how life can be. That's that's there's the topic. You know, what more topics do you need? Life is the topic, really, especially the emotional side of life. But if your song is, you know, a sing along, la 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 Eurovision song, great, you know. But let someone else hear it as well, because it's like at the minute we're all stuck in and we're not, you know, we can't meet people. We can talk to them, but we can't really interact the way humans like to interact. So, I, I however, someone came to write a song, however much you might think, you know, it's a pretty raw thing. It's not. It's you know, it's not had all the craft place. It doesn't matter actually. The sharing is the key, the key thing. And even if you can't say, the reason I actually, <laughs> I mean, I wrote, I wrote a couple of instrumentals and then I wrote a song and I'd never sung in my life. And I thought, well, I've got to do something. I've got to, who else is going to sing this song? I'm going to have to sing this song. That was the biggest hurdle for me was singing in public, you know? Yeah. Um, but people liked it. 
I was, I was, I couldn't believe it. You know, I thought I've got no right to write a song. I don't know what I'm doing. People liked it. I was really stunned. And and even if it's, it doesn't matter how simple it is, share it. I think it's important to try and do that. There is, there is a magic to sharing music with people, and uh, yeah, and it's another thing. I, mean, I guess there's the thing where people like people worry a lot about the songs being good enough. Whereas, like, really, it's like any song is good enough. It's like you know, I've said it's not. There's not a good or bad scale with songs. Is that there? there's just songs, and like, yeah, it'll connect. Someone, someone will resonate with with your song. Um, yeah, and and do you know what? A lot of people will say to you, "Oh, I could never have done that," mm. because a lot of people think they they couldn't. They don't know where to start. But people have got reserves of talent that I think it's really sad if they never come out. You know, we might all think, well, I could have played centre forward for England or, well, no, but, you know, I, all the things I could have done in life, you can still write a song. Mm. I don't care whether, whether you've ever had any experience of it, whether you thought you could do it, whether you think you've got any musical talent, it doesn't really matter. Anybody can, anyone can sit, can hum or, or whistle. You've heard thousands of songs in your life. Tell a story, get something out that needs to come out. Say something that might someone else might be able to relate to. I mean, it's I, I'm sure you feel the same. I think it's just the most amazing. I'm not going to call it a gift because I don't think it is a gift. I think it's just something you decide to have a go at. And I, I for years, I didn't write a song till I was fifty, maybe. And uh, I played guitar for a long time before that. But uh, I just thought this is what all those creative urges that I've had over the years. I was into photography, or, you know, blah blah blah, short stories, whatever. This is this is the outlet I needed. You know, this is the thing that really floats my boat in terms of creating something. And then the reason the reason I've recorded songs is to think, well, yeah, I'm not going to say it's for posterity because that's a bit precious, but there they are, they exist. They wouldn't have existed if I hadn't lived. So that's a record of my life and no one can take that away, you know? And maybe, you know, when you're gone, your family can say, that's, he's still here. Yeah. yeah, yeah. He's still here in those songs. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I agree with you completely, Richard. Um, and that seems like a good note to move on to the next section of the podcast, which is where I ask my guests to share with us a song that's meaningful to them in some way relating to bereavement. Um, and what I do here is I put the YouTube link in the description to the episode. So if you're watching or listening to this and you're not familiar with the song, you want to go check it out, you can follow that link and come back and we're going to have a chat about it. Uh, so which song do you choose for us, Richard? Well, let me just talk about it a bit first before yeah. I say it, because this, this was the most interesting and difficult part of preparing for this, really. It's a bit like when people say, what would your desert island discs be? You know, how can I possibly narrow it down? I, I thought about several candidates for this song, um, but most of them were by unknown people. Um, and most of them were very much the melancholy side of, of bereavement, you know, that, that awful, awful gaping hole, that loss. I remember when my both my parents died at relatively young ages, really, but I remember that feeling of, the world's just changed and it, and it's just guttural, you know? And I thought, well, that's one type of song about bereavement and they're very powerful songs. But I thought two things. Firstly, I think I'd like to choose something that people might know, people might remember, because this song was actually, I think it was a hit. It was certainly a, a song that was played on the radio when it was released. And also something that had a little bit more of the light side and not so much the dark side. 
so that it was something about the possibility of life being good again uh, after bereavement. And in fact, as I was thinking this, I heard this song on the radio. I thought, well, that's it. And this song was written by Ellie Greenwich, who was a, um, a sort of Tim Pan Alley songwriter in the early 60s. I think she wrote Leader of the Pack and uh, River Deep Mountain High, maybe, or co-wrote them anyway. And her original version of this is on YouTube, and it's, it's, a, it's a really good version, actually. It's kind of Northern Soul style. The words, I'm pretty sure, were written as a, a song about love gone wrong because that's what songs were written about then. But I just listened to them and I thought, this absolutely, absolutely applies also to a feeling of loss when someone's died and you're thinking, will I ever feel good again? I mean, it, 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 it could have been written for that purpose. There's mm. not a single word in it that doesn't work in that yeah. context. And that's what I said before about layers, you know? I'm sure that this wasn't written as a song that might make people feel better after losing someone. But it absolutely works, I think, in that context. Um, it's not just melancholy, it's hopeful. And yeah. um, it's by Elkie Brooks, and it's called Sunshine After the Rain. Yeah, yeah, it's a powerful song. It's one that, like, I'd, when, when you sent me it, I was, like, I was like, oh, yeah, I think I know this one. I, I heard the chorus tune in my head, and then I listened to it, and I was like, I don't know where I've heard it before. I don't know where, like, why I'm familiar with it, but it's definitely a song that I remember. And, yeah, I really like the, because it's kind of, like, it's not it's, it's not lifting song really isn't it but when you listen to the lyrics it's sad and like you say it can connect to multiple different any difficult situation really and that longing for the sunshine after the rain yeah and actually i mean she was she was briefly quite successful elke brooks she start she was she was a singer in a band called vinegar joe with um uh what's his name uh robert palmer oh. and she was she was it was a kind of heavy rock band you know and then she got uh, she had a few hit singles, and there are some of them are a bit schmaltzy, but she's a very good singer. And this is just, I think she makes a fantastic job of this song, and it's so different to the original. If you track down the original by Ellie Greenwich, yeah, it's that completely one. different. Yeah, But I think it's got, it's got that sort of sense of longing for show me some light after all this darkness. And, and I just thought it would fit perfectly for, what, uh, for this choice. Yeah, yeah, it's a great choice, a good balance of those, uh, you know, like the problem with lots of happy songs are that they're unrealistic because there's, you know, <laughs> like without a element of sadness. And then there can be the other element where the songs are just too sad that nobody wants to listen to them unless exactly. they're in a really sad spot. So yeah. it's getting that balance where there's... This is both. This lets you wallow in it, but it reminds you that actually, you know, you can start looking ahead. It's Sadaji again, I'm telling you. That's yeah, yeah. <laughs> secret <laughs> of life. We've come full circle. <laughs> Brilliant. Yeah, well, thanks a lot, Richard. It's really nice talking to you. Yeah, thanks for sharing your songs with us. Um, yeah. And I'll, I'll put your links and everything in the description. Have you got anything coming up that you want to mention? Uh, um, <laughs> frankly, no. <laughs> um, like everybody else, I had gigs cancelled, uh, you know, when this all, all started. Um, so we're all just in limbo, aren't we? Uh, yeah. But, but I, 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 I've been so glad to do this because it has reawakened my, my desire to, to get on with it. I've been in this this odd stage of this odd state of not quite knowing you know what to do what's the meaning of it all um but you know i have kept in touch with friends who who play and um i have i we've turned through we've gone past the george's day you know this hope on the horizon and even if this coming year isn't a normal year it's going to be a lot better than last year was and yeah you know, i can't wait to get out there and start start playing again and uh, and writing too 
Yeah. 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 And hopefully we'll uh, we'll meet at a, at a gig someday. That'd be great. Yeah. Great stuff. Yeah. Thanks a lot for your time, Richard. And uh, thanks for tuning in, everyone. I'll be back with another episode soon.